0: Welcome to this week's edition of the Insights Podcast uh, on the Huddle Network. I'm David Campbell. And I'm Don Mills. Well, Don, I think uh, our listeners will appreciate the conversation today we had with the president of UNB, Dr. Paul Mazerall. It it seems to me that the new strategy and his vision uh, is really, really uh, ambitious. uh, And if they're successful, we'll uh, we'll take the University of New Brunswick to to the next level.
1: I I think it's important, too. uh... You know, if I had to describe UNB uh, and its reputation, I would say it's a mile wide and an inch deep. You know, I think everybody's heard of UNB, but if you were to press them on, you know, what they're known for, what they're good at, I don't think people would actually have a very good answer. And, you know, I'm somebody who's been in post-secondary involvement for a long time. I was on the board at DAL for almost a decade. So, you know, I got to see and hear about all the universities. You know, UNB was really quite sleepy. It didn't seem to be that interested in this reputation, which, uh, which I was a bit odd. But, you know, our conversation with uh, Dr. Osler really shows that they recognize it's, you know, they need to be a lot more aggressive. He's got a lot of great plans, and, and by the way, you know, I learned a bunch of stuff that I didn't know, and and it's you know it's pretty impressive. Some of the things they do are pretty impressive, but they got to tell people, they got to let people know what they're doing. Otherwise, it doesn't count.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Don, you get, it seems you sit on all the most interesting boards. I didn't even know you were on the DAO board. That's impressive. Uh, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, you, uh, the listeners will hear about this, this the plans, the aggressive plans over the next five to 10 years for the university. One of the things that I'm very interested in is research. Uh, mm-hmm. And in fact, they did about $51 million worth of sponsored research last year. That's down from a decade ago. Back in 2010, they actually had $54 million in sponsored research. Over the same period, Dow is up 30%, and the University of Toronto is up 50%. So it is great to see that the university is looking to actually double their sponsored research income uh, within this 2030 time frame. So uh, we'll, we'll see that. And again, he talks uh, about the research focus area uh, in, in the, in the conversation today, but certainly, um, lots of good stories here. And as I mentioned to you before, this does start with ambition. So you, there's, my mother used to say there's many, much, many a slip between the cup and the lip, but you have to start (laughs) with the ambition, right? Grow your student population, grow your research, you know, invest in your faculties, uh, and then you get out there and get it done.
1: Yeah, so he's talking about they have their strategy to twenty thirty of increasing their student enrollment from ten thousand to fifteen thousand. So that's ambitious. They're talking about doubling their research, uh, you know, uh, funds to by, you know, double. Uh, And and by the way, one of the things that I was impressed with, uh, you know, they seem to have at least a focus on the research now. It's very clear what they're trying to do. They're talking about energy, smart grids, you know, SMRs, uh, healthy communities. You know, I didn't know they had biomedical. Did you? I didn't know that. Um, You know, uh, cybersecurity, you know, uh, looking at uh, environmental uh, futures with uh, safe and secure water. Well, you know, having a focus you know having some critical mass helps you attract research money and and it na- now it looks at least they have a plan to build that uh, research money and i give credit to uh, to the work that the university is doing to prepare them for that possibility and by the way you know w- you know we, we talked about the McKenna Institute which is they be- they were able to raise 50 million dollars for that institute alone in 12 months and that's all about digital transformation and the digital economy, and you know, so there's a lot of stuff going on that people should know
0: about. I get a sense when Frank McKenna makes the call, it's very hard for these <laughs> philanthropists to say no. So, it, yeah. Do you think <laughs> it was interesting to to hear him say how quickly they raised that money? So, I I believe that that institute is going to have a lot of impact, and the university's focus on entrepreneurship too, I think, is is a good one um and it has already reaped dividends a lot of the successful uh, startups came out of UNB uh and so that should also be a good role for the university moving forward
1: yeah i think the Wallace McCain institute which i've had some dealings with over the past has done a really good job and it's operating out of the university obviously and has you know has generated a lot of startups uh over the years and so Uh, and supported startups so i think that that's really good and by the way i just want to mention one other thing because i really want to keep reinforcing this opportunity you know they talked about uh the faculty of education as being an opportunity area i mean when was the last time you heard a president of university saying the faculty of education was a you know uh, an opportunity area well we know from the growth in the population that instead of uh You know, managing declining enrollment, we're going to be managing increasing enrollment uh, based on the numbers that uh, that we've seen increase in the population, especially among childbearing population. uh, uh, You know, and he's talked about uh, the need to perhaps expand the education to Moncton and in collaboration with Udam. Well, I applaud that. Like you know, we need to have a lot more collaboration within our. post-secondary institution. So not everybody's trying to duplicate a program. And like, I'm, I'm a big fan of that approach.
0: Yeah, I, yes. And I think part of that is around the bilingual teachers. And I think uh, moving right. forward, I, did, I didn't I did ask Dr. Mazzarola about that, but it, I'd love to see UNB doing more in terms of French language instruction at the university, even in engineering and other faculties, because we have a lot of these English kids and, and international students that come in and they, you know, they don't actually study in French and then they go in and they try to be bilingual in the workforce. So so that is an issue, I think, moving forward. Uh, anything else, Don, before we before we go to our no. interview?
1: This is a great
0: conversation for people who want to know more about what's going on at UNB. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Masrall. Great to be here, David. We always like to start by finding out a little bit about our guests. You became UNB's 19th president in 2019. Can you tell us a little bit about your career path uh, and how you ended up in in your current role?
2: Well, my uh, my roots are probably a bit uh, up and down and all over the place. So I I left uh, UNB back in in 89 and uh, went to the States uh, for 10 years and did my graduate education there and my first academic position with the University of Cincinnati. Uh, For personal and professional reasons, we moved to Australia in 2000. And, uh, I spent almost 20 years there at, uh, what was called the university of Queensland and, uh, then at Griffith university. So my background is in criminology, uh, and, uh, worked in criminology leadership roles there at the university of Queensland. And, uh, then I worked for about three years in a, in a anti-corruption commission, a crime commission, uh, as on a leave of absence. And then I went over to Griffith and, and led a major research Institute and then after after doing that for a couple of years, I had an opportunity to become what's called a pro-vice chancellor. And a pro-vice chancellor is kind of like a, an uber dean or a, a senior dean. Uh, at that particular university, there was only four academic groups. So I was the pro-vice chancellor of the arts, education and law group at Griffith. had about 13,000 students and uh, it was very interdisciplinary, seven different schools Uh, and a very large role Um, and but I still kept an eye on what was going on in Canada and maintained ties back to back to New Brunswick and watched with interest what was happening at UNB and the opportunities that surfaced and uh, just kind of bided my time about when was the right time to to uh, jump at an opportunity back in uh, eastern Canada particularly in New Brunswick so the timing really did work out because I was provost chancellor for about 10 years and that's long enough for those roles, so you need to look beyond that and the timing with you know coming to UNB to to build on the strong momentum uh, under Eddie Campbell and John McLaughlin before that was a real privileged opportunity.
1: Uh, Paul, were you born in uh,
2: New Brunswick by the way? I was born in Fredericton. Absolutely. Grew up, <laughs> I grew up in Fredericton. Uh, uh, right. yeah, well I, we while well, my father worked at NB Power and traveled around the province, but I I guess I was I was born in Fredericton but I moved Moved away and came back when I was five. Yeah, so it's uh, it's like coming home, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is, and uh, I've got lots of relatives and and lots of connections that uh, have been reignited since I've returned. I it, it's quite interesting. You know, when people talk about two or three degrees separation. It's it's about uh, it's about half a degree here for me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
1: Well, welcome back. Uh, One of the things David and I are really interested in is uh, economic impact of organizations. Um, You know, we know that the post-secondary sector uh, plays a really important role, often the biggest employer in communities. um, And uh, so we want to start the conversation by Talking a little bit about UNB's uh, important economic role, not just in the city of Fredericton, but across uh, New Brunswick, and you're a major employer, obviously. Can you talk about the number of people that you have working uh, in in New Brunswick, and maybe break it out by by city? Would that be possible?
2: Sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, and thank you for the question, Don. And and we do really uh, recognize that we uh, we're not just the University of New Brunswick; we see ourselves as the University for New Brunswick, and Part of our role and responsibility is contributing to economic development. And as you would know, we do that in different ways. So UNB, currently in fall 2022, we have just over 1,900 employees, 1,920. Uh, about 300, 300 of them are in St. John and, and roughly uh, 1,600 are in Fredericton. So it's, uh, the campuses are different sizes. Uh, it's about 80, 20, 80%, 20%. But uh, but that is the current distribution uh, about sixteen hundred and three hundred thereabouts.
1: That's a sizable workforce, of course, uh, you know, and it means uh, a lot of payroll. Can you tell us uh, how much payroll is associated with that? Because that's money that's uh, goes right back in the economy in New Brunswick.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and as you know, uh, you know, we've got student employees as well. There's probably over seven hundred and forty of them, and they're contributing mm-hmm. as well. But in terms of total payroll. Uh, it's the most recent data is roughly 188 and a half million dollars in payroll. And then if you put in the employee benefits, it's all the way up to 20 to $221.5 million total compensation. So, so between benefits and payroll, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big number. And, uh, as you, as you mentioned, those people are contributing directly to, to the economy and the economic development.
1: Yeah. And I wonder also, you know, they, uh, there's a lot of indirect jobs that are supported by the university. Do you have any idea uh, about the number of indirect jobs that are, that are you know attributed to the economic um, activity of the university?
2: Yeah, the, the most recent uh, time we looked at this a couple of years ago when we had an economic analysis done on um, economic impact, I mean, what we found with the total impact was delivering about $1.8 billion of value which translated about 21,000 jobs. Um, I'm not sure if that is a direct line in terms of indirect jobs, but it certainly it certainly uh, links to that in terms of how the economic value is driving, expanded uh, jobs in the service sector, other sectors as well. So around 20, almost 21,000.
1: Again, a big number. It um, means that there are people all over New Brunswick that um, owe at least part of their employment to the university uh, in addition to the employment income, obviously, generated by the university, you, know, you spend money in the community on goods and services. Uh, I wonder if you have, again, looking for a number, about your annual expenditures made by the university in the local community for goods and services.
2: Yeah, so when we looked at it, when we had it looked at systematically by an independent company, the number was about $225 million in local operations. And what we found, uh, based on their analysis, was about one out of every seventeen jobs in New Brunswick is supported by the operations of the university. So, so it really is having a value add uh, opportunity uh, to to the wider province.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of people are going to be surprised by that number that you have such an impact on, uh, on such a wide uh, swath of the population. Uh, another number that you may have is the, the estimate of how much income tax is generated by the university for the province of New Brunswick annually because obviously the provinces contributes to the operation of the university, but in return,
2: <laughs> it does get taxes. It does. It does. And, and as, I, as I referenced that earlier study uh, from about, uh, less than three years ago, uh, it showed that for every dollar spent, uh, by taxpayers, there was a gain of about four dollars and thirty cents in added tax revenue. So, for every dollar invested, over four dollars back. So, so I, I like to say, and I've uh, you know when I first came here that you know we're a good investment, and we need to remind people uh, and colleagues that it's that the investment in the university is investment. It's not a lost cost. There is a return on so many different levels, and this is strong illustration. It's a one to four. So, so I think that's important.
0: Paul, let's talk a little bit about your the the students at the university. So, can you tell us what the current enrollment is these days? Yes. So,
2: uh, thanks for the question. Our, our headcount's around close to ten thousand, ninety nine hundred, um, and we have a very ambitious strategic plan uh, that is about growth and impact. And so, we uh, obviously we've just come out of a coming through a pandemic, uh, and i set some context. So we had set the strategic vision was approved uh, in late February 2020 by the board. And we were planning to uh, have the launch in March. And we said, oh, geez, COVID's here. We're going to have to shut down for a couple of weeks. Let's push, the, let's push the launch of the strategic vision back a couple of weeks. And, you know, the rest is history. We never did get to launch it. But the point is, is that, you know, one of the big issues is around growth. And we see UNB growing from a 10,000 student university to a 15,000 student university. And we need to do that in different ways and areas, uh, undergraduate, graduate, domestic, international, uh, online, high school uh, graduates, as well as adult learners. So so it's really thinking more holistically about our student intake. Um, and. Look, we we were impacted by the pandemic. There's no question, but we're turning things around, and students are coming back on campus. Uh, it's it's roughly eighty twenty. Um, so the uh, so for, in terms of those numbers, it's about twenty two hundred in Saint John, about seventy seven hundred in Fredericton, um, and those are the head counts. Um, but you know our numbers are up this year compared to last, uh, just over two percent. And, and obviously, we're dealing with a negative pipeline in the last two years as well. So, it kind of demonstrates that our, our intakes are stronger this year, uh, which is in, directly in line with our our ambitions to keep growing year on year. And uh, and I and I th- we're absolutely committed to that. So, we need UNB to be a larger university to keep delivering value for the province. And and uh, and increasingly, we can't just rely on graduates coming out of the, out of the, high schools in New Brunswick. We have to think far farther afield and think about the wider economic, social and cultural needs of the province. So that's part of our ambition.
0: So what percentage of your students roughly come from outside the province, either elsewhere in Canada or international?
2: So our international student number at the moment is uh, about 20%. And uh, just two years ago, it was about 13%. So we are growing our international. If I look at our domestic students, about twenty four percent of our domestic students come from other parts of Canada. So and if I combine those together, uh, it's about thirty seven percent of our student body comes from outside of New Brunswick. So And I think that that illustrates uh, you know an important opportunity for you know educating a wider group of individuals who may go back to their home province or country, but increasingly might have a chance to stay in New Brunswick, contribute to the local economy become a teacher or a nurse or an engineer.
0: Uh, Even if they go back, they take that UNB experience with them uh, exactly as your biography tells us, right? They end up uh, Sometimes people come back, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, Just uh, wanted to ask you one more quick question on your funding. Could you give us a breakdown of what percentage of your funding comes from tuition versus government? And I guess if you have other sources there, just to give the listeners a sense of that breakdown.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the three broad categories are the operating grant from government, the tuition and fees, and then other, which is kind of research income or fundraising. And our operating grants around 54% uh, of our funding and our tuition is roughly about 39% and the remaining is around 7%. So, uh, and obviously that changes over time and it also compares up and down to other universities across Canada. We've had a had a bit of a look at it. Um, but yeah, so just over half of our of our revenue is coming from the provincial taxpayer, um, and I've and I've talked to students a lot about tuition is a is a really important topic. U and B I see we're a very a value for money institution. Our tuition is uh, certainly not exorbitant, um, and uh, we I've I found I've only been here over three years that. Uh, I'm 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 a bit amazed at how, how much how inexpensive we are compared to other universities and uh, and so you know our our expenses go up you know higher than what our revenues do and that that's something that affects many Canadian universities so and I've said to our student leaders you know we're not going to uh, resolve our needs around deferred maintenance and you know on the backs of students however we have to charge a reasonable tuition so that we can ensure we can still deliver a top rate. Student experiences, still deliver programs, still hire world-class faculty. So, so we've tried to strike a reasonable balance in tuition increases, uh, to, that so people can still have access to our institution.
1: Uh, uh, Paul, you mentioned that you you you're gonna you have a goal of increasing your enrollment by fifty percent. What what time frame is that over?
2: Well, our vision is toward twenty thirty. Twenty thirty. So this okay. was this was a, this the vision was approved in February twenty. 20- 20. So um, so that that's our aspiration. But I, I think we're going to, we'll get there uh, in different ways. I mean, St. John campus will grow differentially from Fredericton. We, we want to grow an online footprint, probably a couple of thousand students at least, two to three thousand. So there's a, <coughs> excuse me, there's a whole other set of activity underway in terms of, you know, changing the internal how we're running programs. We have lots of online courses that we run through Evening College, but we don't have a lot of online programs so we you know we're looking to develop more online programs that are attractive to full-time employees uh, people are looking to upskill or reskill and so that um, that's a whole other new opportunity for UNB
1: you mentioned earlier that uh, 20% of the student body comes uh, internationally uh, you must have a goal of increasing that percentage given the need to recruit from outside the province what is your target? for international students. Can you tell so us about
2: that? Originally, thanks for that question, John. Originally when I came here, the target was 20% and I think I undershot. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I honestly think that we could comfortably get to 25%, 25 to 30 tops. And I think anything beyond that's probably tilting it too much in the other direction. So I would have thought over the next three to five years with, as we offer more programs, because part of our growth ambition is to develop more programs that are attractive to students locally and globally. And so we'll, you know, our next near target will be shooting for 25% over the next two or three years and then, and then re-examine. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that that's good news. You know, I've been promoting for a while the fact that uh, post-secondary institutions are great ways of recruiting immigrants to our country. We know from my own research that a lot of them want to stay in the very communities where they get educated up to yeah. 60%. So it's a great uh, stream for new immigrants uh, coming to our country. So I think that that's good, that's good news. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
2: Uh,
1: You mentioned in the, that your strategic plan was uh, kind of launched, <laughs> I guess, somehow in the last couple of years during a pandemic. In that plan, UNB towards 2030, it states the world needs more UNB. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to tell us why the world needs more UNB. Yeah.
2: Look, thank you, and and I'll thank you for that question, and I'll set a bit of context. Uh, Look, I I spent 30 years away from from UNB, uh, and I worked at a lot of other universities, some, you know, global top 100 universities, other middling universities, and I'm amazed that um, at UNB there's some wonderful things happening in research centers, some programs, world-class scholars, some incredible transformational opportunities for students, incredible alumni. But we didn't necessarily, we don't necessarily tell our story or toot our horn of it as much as we can and should. Uh, and so so part of this is recognizing there are incredible things going on. I meet students from uh, around the university. I meet uh, alumni, recent graduates, and I have a chance to connect with them and hear their stories. They're powerful stories. I, uh, I meet with our scholars who are doing great things, whether it's in um in biomedical engineering or in cybersecurity or engineering history, like we've got some terrific scholars publishing, you know, globally relevant things. So when I put that all together, I think about a transformative student experience, incredible achievements of our alumni. I look at our research achievements and a lot of our research is very translational. It's partnership research, it's translational research, it's looking at industries, it's looking at entrepreneurship. And I put it all together and think of all our partnerships and the work we're doing with business and with government and think, you know what, there's a really good story here that we have to keep telling people uh, what's happening. Uh, look at the, the companies that are coming out of the university, you know, 120 companies in the last eight years or so through uh, through the TME program and in faculty of business and management. So there is a real story to be told around how the university is trying to drive value for New Brunswick to deliver uh you know to to look at these opportunities to shape a student's future to work in partnership with research to address uh big challenging problems be it in energy be it in health be it in security and say well how do we really make a difference going forward and so that's why i like to use the metaphor the university the, uh, the world needs more of what we're offering where you know great student experiences great scholars who want to work with industry and other universities want to work with government to tackle big challenges. And there's many of them. So that's why I like to use that metaphor, the world needs more UNB.
1: Well, you know, first of all, I have to say that, you know, I think you're right. UNB is not that well known, or not as well known as it should be. And and certainly, the goal to profile and highlight the work of the university, I think would uh, stand you in good stead for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The university's vision uh, says that UNB aspires to be a, a university of influence through excellence and innovation and research and teaching to enable positive social change across our communities.
2: Yeah.
1: I want you to tell me, uh, if you can, what is the role of the university in terms of fostering social change across New Brunswick? Because I, I think it's an important role, but I don't think people understand what that actually means.
2: Yeah, look, thanks, thanks for that. And, you know, social change and social progress captures a lot of activity. And so if we just take, take one area, let's say um, biomedical engineering and the work that they're doing on prosthetics, you know, that's been around, that's been five or six decades at UNB the Institute for Biomedical Engineering. They're doing world leading stuff uh, on uh, helping uh, individuals uh, adapt, to having uh, mobility challenges. And so that's a good example how university researchers and academics generally can look at an issue, be it, you know, kinesiology, high performance, or be issues about mobility and say, how do we help people have uh, a more fulfilling life? That's where we're trying to provide value. If I look at some of the issues around entrepreneurship and and, and the real focus on uh, academics rolling up their sleeves uh, to say, well, how do we think outside the box in New Brunswick? How do we drive innovation? How do we get some investment into some new ideas and seed ideas? And yes, maybe some of those ideas don't go very far, but other ones might go far. Uh, If you look at that Essential Motors, the company that's looking at uh, electric vehicles, a sport utility vehicle. Uh, That, you know, emanated out of the university, and it's a great illustration of how can the university drive value that's going to make a difference to the economic landscape of the province, it's going to help drive economic activity, Uh, but more than that, how do we make sure that the university is a go-to place when there's a problem? So, you know, if if that problem could be, you know, cytobacteria in the St. John River, uh, well, we want them... To call, people to call our scientists because we've got some great biologists who are willing to roll up their sleeves and are rolling up their sleeves. So it could be from looking at models of nursing delivery, could be growing the teaching workforce. It could be uh, you know having uh, great engineers who are really driving economic change. So if I look at economic development, I look at innovation, I look at growing new industries, look at cybersecurity. But and then look at the other side, of the soft side, our teachers, uh, people who have an appreciation for communication, problem-solving, writing. You know, our next poet, great Canadian poet might come out of UNB because we've got a wonderful creative writing program. So I think we want to be that university which is influencing the well-being of the province, culturally, socially, economically. And we do, and Eddie Campbell, I'll borrow from his great metaphor, which is we're not just the University of New Brunswick, but... We want to be the university for New Brunswick. How do we help the province be a stronger, a stronger province? And, and economically is part of it, but so is also the social connectedness of the province, our sense of civility, our sense of democracy. Uh, how do we as citizens of this province strengthen its fabric?
0: So in recent years, there's been a big focus on what's called experiential learning in New Brunswick. I know the government has made that a big priority, this idea that all post-secondary students should have some career-related experience while they're in school. And I know UNB has historically had very strong co-op programs. But can you tell us about the approach the university's taken taking now to provide students with real-world work experience while they study? Yeah,
2: thanks for that question, David. It's uh, it's something that's close close to my heart. Um, and our strategic vision, uh, you know, developed in late 2019 and launched in early 2020, flags this in its second pillar, which is around fostering uh, experiential learning opportunities for literally all students, as many as possible. Um, and so, so what we're doing, working across the university, not just in the STEM disciplines, not just... Not just science and CS, computer science and engineering, but indeed in the humanities and social sciences as well. We have co-op learning in some faculties. We have experiential learning lead, Dr. Sarah King, who has a PhD in in experiential learning. She is leading a a terrific effort, working closely with the province and the other universities uh, through the uh, the future NB funding is helping to stimulate this. So we're taking a a very holistic approach, promoting, making sure that there's um, meaningful work experience, Uh, particularly through COVID, there was a great deal of innovation in this space, but we're touching over 600 employers at the moment where UNB students, thousands of students, uh, almost 6,000 students have had experiential learning opportunity in the last year. Those are the numbers that I've seen recently. So, and that can be entire four month work terms or it could be a targeted project but it really is a, it's a recognition that the student having, uh, trying to translate what they're learning in the classroom to the workplace is essentially very important for their development. But it also recognizes that many employers see this as opportunities to um, uh, socialize uh, potential future talent into their workforce. Uh, We've got a partnership with Siemens that we signed about two and a half years ago, which is also a good example of an embedded mentoring program where where, uh, engineering students in particular have a chance to work with Siemens uh, all through the summer and get support through the tuition and then get hired on the other end. So we've got a whole bunch of different models uh, because we're trying to be flexible to the needs of our students and the needs of our employers. But suffice to say, this is one priority and I... I think it's an area that we're going to keep developing, evolving, strengthening. Because the 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 uh, what we're hearing is that the employers really appreciate it, and the students are finding it it brings a lot of value, you know, to their university experience. They have a chance to network and learn on job skills. Because as you, as you would well know, what we learn at universities is really really important. But uh, you also need to find out how to navigate a workplace and how to get things done in a work setting, how to work with other people, the teamwork, dealing with time pressures, all of that. So it's one of our things that we're really prioritizing through the strategic, strategic vision.
0: Uh, Dr. Maseril, it it's my understanding that international students are now able to participate in these programs. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, they are. Um, and, and look, the international student context is a bit fluid uh, in the sense that um uh, they were excluded historically from some of these opportunities. That's changing, uh, but also the, uh, the extent to which international students can work—the limits on some of their part-time work has changed. And we're we're actively working through the Atlantic Association of Universities and Universities Canada with the federal government to try to resolve some of the backlog issues around study visas and the dual intent issue. It's a it's a very live issue at the moment and. Uh, And so New Brunswick needs uh, newcomers. As uh, Don mentioned previously, universities are one of the main vehicles to attract potential future New Brunswickers uh, to the university and having those right settings of work experience is, is a big part of that.
0: You talked a little bit earlier about the university's role in fostering entrepreneurship. It's won awards and I think gained a pretty strong reputation for being a university that does uh, uh, really focus on entrepreneurship, particularly in its engineering and business faculties. Can you yeah. tell us about this focus a little bit more and also if it now sort of cuts across more faculties than just business uh, and engineering?
2: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, great, it's a great point. And uh, it's, it's something that's been uh, you know in the UMB DNA for several years. And uh, we have won awards, I think it was Startup Canada named UMB, entrepreneurial university of the year i understood at the time it turned some heads and uh and we like to uh, we like to keep reminding people that uh uh that's because startup canada stopped giving out the awards because uh i think so many people were surprised that you won it so we're going to rest on our laurels that we that we're still the most entrepreneurial but to to your point it does transcend many faculties so uh in our engineering faculty the Technology Management Entrepreneurship Program that Dorendra Shukla runs. <laughs> They're doing leading, leading work, different aspects of entrepreneurship at the master's level, at the diploma level. They have a summer program. Uh, in computer science, there's a great strand through increasing entrepreneurship. And in fact, we had uh, a recently named uh, entrepreneurship chair, Dr. Kenneth Kent, who's leading that. That's the Barrett Chair in, uh, in Entrepreneurship and Computer Science. So I'm really excited about that. Both of our faculties of business and management on St. John and on Fredericton have a very strong emphasis on entrepreneurship in their student programs. So so that's something that, uh, in, and I think if, in both of those faculties are AACSB accredited. So they've got the tick in terms of, uh, they're in the top 6% of business schools globally that have received AACSB accreditation. So what they're doing uh, has, has rigor and has credibility. But I will say, the Fredericton Faculty of Management has as an aspiration to be one of the most experiential and one of the most entrepreneurial uh, business schools in the country. And they're really, they're really trying to walk that walk hard. The last thing I'll say is that a few other strands of entrepreneurship that show up at UMB are in things like the Wallace McCain Institute, which has grown substantially over time, and then the Pondisponde Center, which has a great focus on social entrepreneurship. Uh, And so that just had its 10th year anniversary recently. So we're pretty excited about the the focus on entrepreneurship is something that's unique to it's not unique to you and me. Other universities do it, but I like to think we do it well.
0: So before I turn it back over to Don, I just wanted to ask you about your research focus. According to Research InfoSource in 2020, 2021, the university attracted 51 million in sponsored research that was up from the previous year. Can you give the listeners a, a quick rundown on what the university's research priorities are?
2: If you go back to our strategic vision, uh, you know, our one of our biggest focus, uh, the first pillar is about uh, research and impact. And we have a strong aspiration to double our research income across the strategic vision. So uh, roughly $50 million, we want to aim to $100 million. That's our moonshot. And it's a big moonshot. But it, 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 we will get there through the growth of the university, students, faculty, staff, and through our growth and partnerships. And so a lot of UMB research is tri-council, a lot of it is partnership-based. And so that's where we see us growing, growing our research footprint more and more. Um, in terms of some of the priorities, it's really four areas that that I've been asking our research community to increasingly look at. I mean you know, any comprehensive university is gonna have lots of research centers, lots of different areas uh, at a kind of micro level. But I've identified four areas where I think we can reposition priorities for the University of New Brunswick. First one's in energy. It's looking at building energy systems for the future. And this is thinking about things like our smart grid work that we do with Siemens, with MB Power, our engineers and scientists working on innovative delivery of smart grid. It also includes SMRs, small modular research we're doing in nuclear energy. We have the Canadian uh, Nuclear Energy Research Centre that in our Faculty of Engineering, Dr. Willie Cook. But thinking about energy systems for the future is not just engineers, it's others looking at uh, other models and policy innovation around energy. So this is an area that includes literally dozens of researchers across the university working in energy for the future. The second area, is around building healthy communities. And we see this as a, another defining area uh, to, to deal with you know, the grand challenge of health. And this is about our kinesiology folks, our nurse, nursing researchers, they're looking at lots of different areas of research, biomedical, the, the IBMEs in there. And part of this is also recognizing in St. John, we have what's called the Integrated Health Initiative which is looking at new programs, research priorities, innovation, commercialization, et cetera. So we see that our one of our major research focuses is how do we build and sustain a healthier community? So models of health innovation, models of understanding research, healthy aging, mental health, et cetera, et cetera. Third area is around building secure communities. And this has different strands to it. So cybersecurity is part of it. So, you know, UNB has invested a lot in cybersecurity. We've got the Canadian Institute for Cybersecurity. Uh, They're part of the National Consortium, which has recently received $80 million of investment from ISED. So UNB is known nationally and internationally for its expertise in cybersecurity. But when I look at a focus on secure communities, it also includes things like preventing violence and preventing domestic and family violence. We've got the Miriam McQueen Ferguson Center for Family Violence. So that's a good example where security is not just about cyber, but it's about people and it's about preventing violence, controlling violence, and having researchers rolling up their sleeves. It also includes our historians who are doing great work on peace and conflict studies. So thinking broadly about how the university research community are contributing cross disciplinary into areas which help our communities be more secure. And lastly, is around it's around environmental futures and safe and secure water. And so, you know, UNB is gifted with uh, a number of researchers who are thinking about the Canadian Rivers Institute. We've got people on both campuses looking at river and water systems, freshwater systems. But we also have many many researchers, scientists working in the Bay of Fundy looking at oceans and streams so so collectively we've got a a group of of scholars who are looking at safe and secure water in the context of a better environmental future so so i would say, say david those are our four big priorities and they they bring together uh, almost half of the entire research community of unb
1: that's impressive uh, thanks for that overview in addition to the research uh, focuses that you have the former New Brunswick Premier Frank McKenna just recently funded the new McKenna Institute at UNB as a catalyst for economic growth by advancing the use of digital technologies. Can you tell us a little bit about this initiative and how important it is uh, to the university?
2: Yeah, thanks for that question. Look, it's been a real privilege to, uh, to work with uh, Premier McKenna. Uh, he's very passionate about the province and he's passionate about making a difference for the future. So so we started this discussion with Frank a couple of years ago and uh, when we shared the book with him, A Unicorn in the Woods, which told a really powerful story. And, uh, and he said, look, I want to work with the university to try to strengthen New Brunswick's future through digital innovation, digital transformation. And so the McKinna Institute was launched uh, just over a year ago, 14 months ago or so, uh, just less than that. And it, Frank has invested $5 million of his own money and there's been a fifty million dollar target uh, of the initiative. We've exceeded that in twelve months in terms of uh, in terms of commitments. So it's it's really about um, growing talent and growing ideas. There's a recognition that New Brunswick businesses, uh, some of them, are needing to pivot and to adapt to the needs of the digital economy and the digital consumers. But there's a whole other part of that which is around skills and part of accessing talent is about having more graduates in computer science and software engineering, but a lot of it is about having people having a chance to upskill and reskill and other people just finding out how to become a coder. And so we have to be thinking about micro-credentials, diplomas, and so we're doing that uh, quite holistically. Uh, We're very fortunate that AGM Nopre is the uh, inaugural director of the McKenna Institute and Adrian, as you probably know, has got a great deal of experience in the business community, and uh, she's working in partnership with lots of other entities. So the McKenna Institute is, is is helping the university widely be part of this initiative around digital transformation, but it's also outwardly looking at partnerships. So we've got a partnership with Shoppers Jugmart around women's health. We have partnerships with uh, IBM around Skill Builder and making some of the IBM programs more available. We're working with uh, UDM on some projects. We're looking to develop data science, more AI, but we're also uh, looking at uh, partnerships with places like MasterCard and trying to make uh, make uh, programs more available for indigenous communities as well, First Nations communities. So it's really, mbcc is another uh, partner. So it's really trying to say, what can we do by ourselves, but also together to drive the digital transformation of the province? So. So I'm absolutely delighted um, that we're part of this partnership with Frank, and uh, and he's uh, he knows everybody, uh, and uh, he's uh, he's a, he's, a, he's a wonderful salesperson to to promote the work we're doing, but see the university as a vehicle for social change and progress. So, and it I, I think this uh, this project is going to have a lot of impact in the years to come.
1: You know, we had Frank on our podcast. Uh, I admire him greatly. Um, He's a great promoter of the province, and uh, he continues to do so much uh, for the province of New Brunswick. Um, I want to come back just to a topic we touched on briefly. Um, but I think it's important that we um, uh, have a look at this topic again. Uh, Universities are finally being recognized for their critical role in attracting and retaining newcomers to the region and supporting the population growth agenda across Atlantic Canada. It's not just immigrants, by the way, you know, research that I've been involved in, people who uh, study in this region from other parts of Canada, they fall in love with it and uh, they end up staying. So it's a great uh, um, attraction uh, vehicle for sure. But uh, can you tell us more about the university's specific initiatives to attract and, and, more importantly, retain students from outside the province of New Brunswick?
2: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really important question uh, because I agree with you, uh, you know, because we, we make big efforts to, uh, you know, attract students to our programs. I mean, part of the growth that we're seeing uh, in the last 18 months, I think it's a reflection of the work we did pre-COVID. Uh, in my first eight months here, I had a couple of trips to India to develop some pathway partnerships and, and engagement with, with things so, and we're starting to see that now and that's why I think our numbers are up. But as a community, uh, if, if part of our role is these students have a great experience in, in New Brunswick but then they, if they can't get work placements, if they can't get hired, uh, they're just gonna go up to Upper Canada and we're gonna lose them. So, so we, we, we look seriously at uh, ways to connect them and there's a, there's, there's a UMB student in Fredericton as one example that he's very innovative. He's developed a, a kind of an app to connect students to find out what's going on. To how do you navigate the community? How do you find a, a dentist? How do you find a mechanic? So, so there's a bit of that going on. But in terms of the university, I mean, we're obviously very really committed to the student success factor. So we want to make sure that they they're retained through their programs. They have a chance to. Uh, to, to really do great things. They're incredibly entrepreneurial, many of these new, these newcomer students. We have had discussions with the co previously, and I particularly remember having meetings with them in St. John about developing workshops with local employers so that they can get comfortable with difference. That's the best way to say it. So they get comfortable uh, having students who are from a different country or a different culture or a different religious background into their workplaces. So this is, this is really about Trying to smooth the opportunities for these students to get work placement, to get co ops, and to get jobs in New Brunswick. This is not about suggesting that New Brunswick employers aren't welcoming. It's not about tall, but it's really about how to connect people with opportunities and making sure that that, that's a bit more seamless. So we've had, we have done that. We have worked with uh, the government of New Brunswick on a few of that. I think we can do more. Uh, and I think we can work with our local cities to say, well, let's look at, um, uh, you know, let's look at cricket pitches. We have students coming from India who play cricket. That's their religion over there in terms of we have ice hockey, they have cricket. So, uh, and I've been to India a few times and I know a lot about cricket. So uh, let's see, let's make uh, these communities more attractive. And uh, we have a role to play in that. Uh, So we see our role as uh, much more comprehensive than just, teaching students and doing research. It's really about how do we make the, the campus sticky, but the community sticky, that people come here, they go to university, they learn things, they get jobs, they stay.
0: So I wanted to ask you a little bit about the healthcare workforce and UNB's role. Of course, it's in the news lately, we've added 50,000 plus to the population and that's putting tremendous strain on the healthcare sector. The job vacancy rate in healthcare has more than doubled since the pandemic started um what 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 is UNB's role there to to help address at least some of the specific occupations within that healthcare sector workforce can you tell us a little bit about UNB's approach to addressing that
2: yes absolutely look it's a real priority for us uh I mean and and we we recognize it's not a New Brunswick specific issue I mean there's most provinces in Canada are experiencing this whether the doctors or nurses or other health professionals so what have we we've been doing the last three years? Well, number one, we, we are investing in new health programs. Uh, so the Bachelor of Health on St. John is a great example. So, and that was um, developed developed quite quickly in terms of COVID and uh, the very first year, I think it wasn't approved until April. We only had a small intake of about 25 students, but we're envisioning 500 Bachelor of Health students on the St. John campus in about five years. Right now, it's about 170 and interestingly, about a third of those students are coming from away. They're coming from out of the province. So, so they're drawn to New Brunswick for the program. And this this is a program that's interdisciplinary. It's got uh, an arts and humanities component, a science and business component. And and many of these students, we see them contributing to the, the health workforce needs that need leadership, that needs innovation. Um, so that that's, a, that's one thing that we're doing. Secondly, we're obviously working very closely with the government around... Different models of nursing education. Um, so we we know that this is a this is an area that's uh, got a lot of community interest because we graduate lots of nurses and some of them stay in New Brunswick, some of them leave. We understand that. So producing more nurses is part of it, but we and I've and I've said to government before it's it really is a partnership. So if our nursing graduates are offered full time jobs at another province and they're not getting full time jobs in New Brunswick, then you can't you can't blame them for leaving because they they have mortgages and aspirations as well. So, but we, uh, we've increased our intakes in the Bachelor of Nursing pathway. Secondly, we've developed and uh, working with the government on the LPN to BN bridge. So that's something that's been very attractive on both of our campuses. The third thing we're, we're doing, we've been working with the government and uh, modifying what's called a Learn Where You Live program. So doing some more online. So if you're a student in Northern New Brunswick or in Bathurst, you can take some of the first year some of those courses online and you can learn where you live before you have to move and, and uh, come further field, whether it's in Moncton or St. John or Fredericton. So, so there's, there's a bit of that. And then there's another innovation that we've been doing that, uh, it's, it's not, um, it's not all finalized yet, but it's close. So we have a partnership with the Indian university that we've, we visited several times. We have a very strong relationship. It's India's top private university. And we have developed uh, a partnership with them where Indian students can access the, the UNB curriculum. Uh, we've had the Nursing Association of Brunswick attend that. And so we see this as a way to get a pipeline of of highly educated nurse, nurses in India who wanna to come to Canada. And we're envisioning cohorts of 25 and then 50 year on year in the next few years. So this will be another another pipeline of nurses, but we're also developing other programs around leadership. So, so David, to your question, we're, we're we're doing heaps (laughs) because we think the problem is large and there's some things we can control in terms of what we offer in terms of programs and that they're fit for purpose. Some things we can't control in terms of the job market and, uh, what kind of jobs are being offered and where, but, uh, we know that that's, uh, this is a system under stress. And we're looking at other ways that we can help in terms of healthcare innovation, other models, preventative health. We've got research chairs in St. John we've identified and healthy aging and other health innovation policies. So so we want to see ourselves as trying to make a difference to, to assist producing more students as part of it, but also other ways of thinking around healthcare uh at the macro level.
1: Uh- I, I just want uh, to ask you a little bit about your other faculties. Um, obviously, your business faculty or engineering faculties are doing very well. Um, but are there others that you're, you know, focus on um, maybe uh, in terms of looking to meet uh, workforce uh, demand? Uh, yeah, ahead?
2: no, I, I absolutely, Don. Um, I'll pick one to start with, Faculty of Education. So there is a, mm. an increasing shortage of teachers coming our way. And right. I think this will be with us for some time. And uh, I've certainly had some discussions about how do we, uh, A, increase intakes, but even maybe look at, you know, maybe we need to open up a program in Moncton to, to, to service demand in that area or working with UDM on, on uh, uh, bilingual teachers, working in partnership with them. So I think we need to be a bit creative because – uh, you know, the teaching profession is fundamental to, to our future to, I mean, we've all been influenced by teachers on this call and, uh, and we've got a terrific faculty of education. There's some great programs in there, but I know that the demand is exceeding the supply. And I know that, you know, that p- people are retiring on high levels in the teaching profession. And so we want to be part of that. And we have been increasing our intakes the last couple of years uh, and make sure that, you know, teachers have a chance to, to learn and to have uh, experiential learning in there. So I think that's one that's very, very obvious. I think science is an area that that I want us to grow more in. Um, I think, uh, I mean, UNB is a quite a big STEM university. 45% of our programs are STEM, <coughs> science, technology, engineering, and math. And the extent to which that we can keep investing in science, <coughs> science in the early years, uh, the teaching of science, the the accessibility for you know phys uh, you know physicists, uh, biologists, chemistry. I think we need to do more in science. Uh, it's an area that we're we're not growing as much as we want to, and that's an area I think we need to reprioritize. Our business schools are doing well. Uh, the uh, a new program we've developed in is criminology. I'm a criminologist, but I had a little bit to do with that, but not because I was self serving, but this is an area of, uh, of need and opportunity. Um, you know, my background in criminology is, uh, you know, I studied at UNB. I studied at the University of Maryland and Northeastern. I work with global scholars and develop programs in Australia. It's a new program we've got out of the Department of Sociology that is focused on partnerships and focused on experiential learning and, and ensuring that criminology students um, also are picking up skills around evaluation, statistics, policy analysis, because there's heaps of job opportunities in public safety and departments of justice, uh, and and this is about thinking creatively around our justice systems uh, and understanding uh, criminal and deviant behavior and what we can do to prevent it. So I think I think we're going to see that program grow, um, in part because I think uh, across the country in Canada, uh, you know, the the, the big game of criminology is Simon Fraser. So. Uh, there's a huge opportunity for us to build uh, critical mass of criminologists in the East. And uh, that'd be nice to, to do a bit more. And we've got lots of work to do and working with police agencies and in crime prevention. And and I think there's things we can contribute.
1: Uh, Just a couple more questions. Uh, uh, One is related to capital campaigns, which is now (laughs) uh, sort of a constant in universities. Uh, uh, Do you have one on the go right now or are you planning one? And if so, what would be the focus of your campaign?
2: Well, um, I'd like to say we have one, but, but we've got about three. So <laughs> we, made, <laughs> okay. we, made a, we made a decision uh, a while ago that rather than just have one big campaign, where UMB had some really successful campaigns that go on for six and several years, uh, we've decided we've had four campaigns and three of them have implications for capital. So the McKinney Institute is a campaign. It's a $50 million campaign, which we already exceeded those commitments. But the other one's in our Faculty of Law. There's a very strong faculty vision for the future of law at UNB. And, uh, and part of that is looking at uh, growing programs in law, looking at the Faculty of Law in the community, looking at our built environment. So there will be a capital campaign associated with that. <laughs> the, other, the other big one is in St. John, the Integrated Health Initiative. And as I mentioned, that was new programs. So the Bachelor of Health was one example, but so too is the MBA in St. John It's gonna have a health focus as one of the specializations. <clears throat> but we also, its really powerful about the St. John Initiative is around looking at Tucker Park as an ecosystem. So we have a role to play, but so too does NBCC, Dalhousie Medicine, <laughs> as well as the St. John Regional Hospital. So, so that campaign is around new programs, It's around new research chairs, there's five identified. It's around commercialization and partnerships. So we have a partnership with what's called the Lark Group out of Surrey, British Columbia. They're looking to move east to set up their Eastern pillar at Tucker Park. They've committed to a $30 million building to put in allied health agencies, working with our students, working with our researchers. Final component of that is our own building, which is a health social innovation center. It's about a $38 million building that we would love to be in the ground next year. But we're obviously working to fundraise and engage with partners to do that. But we're making really good progress. And I think, I think it's something, I'm an optimist, but uh, that building will be, you know, one of those defining buildings on the St. John campus. The last area is around engineering. And we've got a very strong Future of Engineering campaign. That's it's engineering and computer science. It's around doubling students, Uh, looking at graduate students, doubling and tripling that, but also looking at the built environment around that. And so for engineering, we have a project to put in a new face of Head Hall. You've probably been to Head Hall before. It's When we take alumni there from the 60s, they say, wow, it hasn't changed a bit. And they're right. So we need to update that. And uh, we're breaking ground in the spring. Uh, We've already fundraised and uh, have financing in place for stage one, which is about a $19 million learning commons on the front of head hall but we have a really strong ambition for a north block which is a new building multi-story building behind head hall facing beaverbrook road which will be probably a $150 million building and it's going to help us drive growth in engineering graduates because we know if uh, if, uh, if the province is generating more engineering graduates it's directly correlated with uh, economic development so we need to produce more graduates we need more labs to do that and this big building, which is going to take several years to get there, that's we see that's going to be open to the community. It's going to be a wonderful uh, piece of infrastructure, and we're pretty excited about that in the next three, you know, three three years or so.
0: So we just have one more question. It's you've you've given us a great uh, uh, vision here for UNB, doubling students, doubling you know fifty percent rise of students, doubling research, uh, and and all of this capital spending. So really, really am- ambitious. Where do you see, just in general, where do you see UNB in five years' time?
2: Well, it's, it's an important question. I, I really see, um, I really see ourselves as uh, continuing to grow as a university in five years' time, uh, and then having growing impact. So I like to see us having uh, more students in five years' time, more programs, uh, probably a twenty percent increase in faculty and staff, but also. Um, uh, in those five years uh, our ability to to modify our built environment but and really be driving research and innovation even at a higher level so I think we're I think we're doing well but I think in those next five years are crucial we have work to do to to update how we how we how we're operi- how how we are operating internally in terms of what our structures are to allow us to grow so, I think five years is about right, David. I think by that time, our research income will be demonstrably higher. We'll be bigger university and we'll have a much bigger online footprint as well. So I'm I'm optimistic for the future.
0: Well, thank you for joining us on our podcast today and providing your insights about the role of post-secondary institutions like UNB uh, both in the communities they're located and in the world that we live in. So thank you very much.
2: Okay, thank you both and have a great week. All the best. Thanks, Paul.
0: You've been listening to the latest episode of
1: the Huddle Insights Podcast. Mark Legere helped produce this episode. You can follow the show and listen to past episodes on podcast platforms like Apple and Spotify. And if you've enjoyed listening, please recommend the show to a friend. Don and David will be back again next week.